Welcome back to Ghostly Talk. This is Scott L. This is Amber. And this will be our last show of the year. Uh, If you're listening to this on the day it came out, it is December 24th. Happy Christmas Eve. Uh, And this will be the last show we're going to be doing this year. Uh, probably until the second week of January. That's what we have on the schedule right now. And for good reason. Because the studio that we work in, that we're sitting in right now, is going to be transformed for a short time into the holding take tank for what will be our temporary Cherno cat. <laughs> Chernobyl kitty. Chernobyl kitty. And we'll explain. Uh, we had a, our, our, our beloved Jenny, our beloved baby kitty that we've talked about countless times on this show. Uh, we had some blood work done on her because we get, we get her checked out. And unfortunately, she has what is commonly, and it's a common thing with older cats, is a hyperactive thyroid. So we discussed with the vet the alternatives, and I wanted the, the best method the most direct method that would help her and improve her quality of life for as long as we can. And that came down to what is called radioactive isotope therapy, which sounds really freaky. I don't know about you, Amber, but it's something that it scares me just to say isotope or iodine. Oh yeah. Oh, holy crap. You're right. I think isotope would actually kill her. Yeah. Radioactive iodine therapy. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for pointing that out. I, yeah, whatever. So um, she's going to be getting this treatment soon. Uh, we we kind of have a timeline. I'm hoping the timeline plays out the way it's supposed to. So the studio we're sitting in right now is going to more or less be turned into, for a short time, as I said, into the holding tank for our baby kitty when she well, comes like four back. four days because they have no, to be. They, no, seven days. They, seven? They, they told me seven days, yeah. Huh. The clinic told me seven days because, yeah, when – the kitty, uh, they they she has to go there for like a week and get this treatment. They they take care of her there at the hospital, and then, excuse me, um, when she comes home, yeah, we actually have to isolate her for they're saying seven days. Maybe it'll be different when I get there. I don't know. The lady I talked to said seven days, unfortunately. Hmm. So we have to put her in an isolated area, which is breaking both of our hearts. It's killing us. Um, but we have to put her kind of in an isolated area. Uh, away from kids and other animals that we don't have here, but we still have to do it. So where are we at? This is going to be well, a little bit. Well, it's for our health tank. too because her poop too, yeah. and pee, her, that's like the half-life or whatever. The radiation comes out of her that way. So you have to wear gloves when you're scooping the poop. You have to have a certain type of cat litter. And the pee, yeah. I, I don't mean, think, we have to get, we have I don't the think they, cat litter. they don't encourage you like to really pet the cat. Yeah. Although I feel like if you have a glove on, maybe you can give her a little scratch and then run away, or like a like. I, I don't know. Get, I want to get an extended stick with like a scratchy hand on it, so I can just be like, "Hey." Actually, that's a good idea. We can just get one of them sticks. So I have a couple of those stick things. We can just scratch her with that. Or like, if there's some way to like play with her somehow. I I don't know. They'll have to explain everything so we don't become like cancerous or radioactive ourselves. So. Yeah, I, I'm gonna. Talk but to the people and if, hopefully find some other stuff If people don't out. know what we're talking about, our own cats, and it sounds like we're doing something barbaric and horrible, I guess this has a 97% success rate with no side effects. They say it's very good for the kids. And it's okay. It's just the sucky part is the isolation. That's it. Yeah, and that's what And she'll most likely out. just sleep throughout the entire time. That's what she that's does what here. Cats do. So, cats just sleep. So you know, whatever. That's the reason we're going to be taking a little break here. We do have a full month of shows scheduled, though, for January, and we're looking forward to that. But I'm more looking forward to our kitty being able to be around the house and be have a normal existence like she has right now. I am dreading this. You have no idea, Amber, how much I'm dreading this. It's it's painful as hell to me, but I know it'll it'll help her and ultimately save her life and not make her miserable. So, do you know what else people are dreading? What Krampus? Oh God. So I know we, we've we been talking a little bit about Krampus on the show because it's the holidays. Yeah. And Krampus really fits in with the whole supernatural theme, and we love him. And we went to Milwaukee. We talked about and that. And we went to it's the awesome. Krampus parade. And it just super cool. And I know I had said I, wish I would talk a little bit about some of the odd Christmas things and Krampus. Yeah. 
stuff that I have found because it kind of goes with um, our guest that we will have later on in the show, David Bone. David Bone, yeah. Um, Scott had found awesome an dude. article. Awesome dude. Uh, from a paranormal blog. Paranormal Globe. Yeah. yeah. And it's, uh, it's out of the UK. Yeah. And David Bone lives in Scotland. That's the best accent I can do for yeah, that. I'm not even going to touch that. I'm sure he's going to love to hear that when he hears the show. <laughs> I can, Sorry, Dave. I love that accent, but it is the hardest one to do. Yeah. Um, that and Irish. So anyway, Scott read this article that he had written about how Christmas is used to be a time to tell ghost stories, but and also this eeriness that kind of goes hand in hand with Christmas time in general and December. So anyway, in looking up all of my Christmas fun facts about what makes Christmas maybe potentially creepier than Halloween, uh, of course, December 5th in Central Europe is Krampus night. And that's when we went to Milwaukee was on December 5th. December 5th, yeah. So anyway, I had found when I was looking up old newspaper articles about Krampus uh, in my free time, I had found these hilarious ones about kids getting visits from Krampus and Santa Claus in Europe. And Americans going over to visit in Austria and being totally unaware and caught off guard by these traditions. So, yeah, in one of the articles in the early 1950s, it wrote about psychologists warning Austrians that Krampus was a dangerous tradition that could leave their children deeply scarred. It's in the 50s? Yeah, this right. is in the 1950s. Yeah. And, and Krampus, as we see it today, kind of goes back to the 18th century. So... Anyway, in the 50s, they were looking at it differently. So the uh, <laughs> so kids were legit scared of Krampus. So this 1953 article I found described a Michigan woman's visit to Austria. Okay, that's what it was. It was a woman going there to visit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And experiencing the Krampus night for the first time. So the family they were visiting had one son who the entire time she was visiting and on that day was so nervous about Krampus and St. Nicholas visiting that he would scream every single time the doorbell rang that day. Oh my because God. he was just waiting. Because they would do like around the village, Krampus and St. Nick would show up door to door. And if you were bad, of course, Krampus is there to switch you with his little switch. Uh, and Santa's there to give you something like a treat. Okay. So the kid was terrified. So uh, when Krampus and St. Nicholas finally arrived, the kid was terrified and actually shook while St. Nicholas reads him a poem, which the kids like could care less about, and how children should behave. And it was decided he had been good, so he was given a present, but they, the family seriously thought it would be funny, so they still sent Krampus after the poor kid um, and scared the hell out of him, and the kid started crying. That's great. Let's that's, that's traumatize kids. Yeah. So uh, the Racine, Wisconsin newspaper, the journal in 1953, said the custom was, quote, open cruelty to small fry who cannot run fast enough to escape a whipping. And the Catholic Archdiocese of uh, Diocese, oh my God, I can't talk. Diocese. Diocese, thank you. Of Vienna actually said, "quote Fear of the Krampus has become a serious problem in the bodily and spiritual development of children." But so this has made me think about though how many things, not just Krampus, but how many things and monsters out there have been created to scare children into good behavior. So it's an interesting idea. You have. Of various amounts of creatures, such as the boogeyman. Well, yeah, that's an old... Uh, and, and that goes way back in folklore. Yeah. And, and there's no... Like, can you tell me what the boogeyman looks like? No. Yeah, no one knows. All I know is... It's open. Bo- I think it's dude, totally the, open. the boogeyman's going to get you. And I think it, I think it may be... I think what you were going to say was it's totally open to interpretation. Yeah, what, right? what scares you as a kid is, like, going to be your version of the boogeyman in your closet or under your bed. Because there's, like really no distinct features to this no creature. i just think it's something that it, it's the unknown which is i mean i've said that a million times that's the unknown right there mm-hmm. and the unknown equals death that scares the hell out of people or especially kids yeah and so then you have another figure okay this is i don't speak german at all so kinder shrek figure okay and i thought this was interesting because shrek is in the middle of this and this figure was an ogre. Oh, gee, I wonder where they got where that. Where they stole that from? Yeah, yeah, so Shrek, and it literally means child tear figure. That's what that the, the ridiculous thing. I can't. So Shrek means that. tear, and it's an ogre. So this is like a German thing where if you're not going to bed, this German ogre is going to come get you and snack on you head first, 
And if I sent you oh, a dude, picture. Oh, uh, dude. Oh, my God. I'm looking at the picture. This is insane. They, so, it's like eating a baby's head. Yeah. He's snacking on the kid well, come on, first. Dude, that's ridiculous. And all the other kids are like, mama, 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 let us in. And she's like, well, if you're going to be good, I'll let you in. But otherwise, this guy's going to get you. And then, look, he's got like a little knapsack, like pockets with other kids for later snacks. <laughs> what kind of an asshole parent is that? <laughs> Hey, that goes this way is back. What they this tell. is this so, is centuries and centuries ago. Kinder Shrek figure. Yeah. Kinder Shrek figure. If you're not good, Kinder Shrek figure is going to come and eat your head. Yeah. This is what they would tell their children. Yes. Or stuff you in his pocket for later. It's a beacon. A beacon. Yeah. Of and parenting. Then there, then there was another, um, this one I had found. Uh, there's a fountain in Switzerland from the 16th century, and you can look at that photo. Oh, and it's, you, you sent another picture of yeah. Kinder Schneck. Well, Shrek this is figure. this what? one's literally called the Child Eater Fountain. My God, yo! And it's just this. We're, we should put these up for yeah, the post. Yeah, if it's you just want. snacking on kids. Uh, and, yeah, and yeah, literally. This particular one, they don't know if it's really directly related to this German figure of the uh, the child terror. But um, they think it could be something to do with a circus act in the area. But anyway, either way, it's terrifying. It's ridiculous. So, so oh then you God. got the Sandman. Sandman. And then people think that the Sandman, Sandman. Yes. Bring me a dream. Boom, 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 boom. You are the cutest. You, you messed it up already. <laughs> anyway, that was creepy. So Sandman. <laughs> I, sometimes you associate with him with this kind of like cute mythical. Tony Todd. Who's that? That's the guy from the movie Sand. Oh, that's Candyman. Never mind. Sorry. Okay, so anyway, you think of the Sandman as like this <laughs> mythical, maybe cute figure that sprinkles sand in your eyes to make you fall asleep at night, and it's That's nice. cocaine. It's not sand. Okay, well, so according though, now I pulled this from Wikipedia. So cocaine. This offer, offer, this offer, this author, E.T. Hoffman, from uh, who was a writing around 1776 to 1822 were, were his years. Anyway, yeah. he writes a short story in 1816. Uh, titled Der Sandman. It's probably Der German. Sand, I the can't. Sandman? Yeah, probably. All right. And I love this because according to the protagonist's nurse in the story, the Sandman threw sand in the eyes of children who wouldn't sleep with the result of those eyes falling out and being collected by the Sandman who then takes the eyes to his rest or to his nest on the moon. Okay, that's a little trippy. What, what kind of and, trip and, is this? And uses them to feed his children. So somebody <laughs> ate a pile of those red and yeah, like yeah, the good mushrooms. Yeah, well, I don't know. I again, know. like, if you don't behave, really horrible things are going to happen to you. Not yeah. like go to the corner and think about what you did. No, your eyes are going to be plucked out by this creature that's going to take them to the moon and feed them to his kids. So horrible. okay, all right, yeah, horrible. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. then I found something called the Nox. Oh, God. It was no, Night Raven. Not, I'm not even going to charge you. Not Crob. Yeah, Night Raven. Night Raven. And this thing was like some and giant. He's, and, he, and he's a front, of, front man of the, the band, Night Raven. Sure. And this was a come giant bird that would come and take you away if you didn't sleep. And it was creepy and could peck your eyes out. And he sounded like, ah! Oh, he was sure. coming away. Yeah. He's a lead singer. Uh, there was I could not find pictures of these guys. Poppleman and Popplehole drag naughty children off to the swamp. And some other German thing called the Wasserman or the Halffish Hockerman prey on kids too close to water. Uh, kind of creepy. Here. Okay. Um, also. What the hell? What? Oh, keep going. I'm okay. just tripping out so, here. And I also want to mention uh, that St. Nicholas, which is Santa Claus, how he became the patron saint of children is due to cannibalism and murder. Of kids. How? Yeah. So written down in the 1100s, um, St. Nicholas actually died like in the 300s sometime, but this was written down in the 1100s of uh, one of his miracles that why he became a saint. Yeah. And it was told that three boys were kidnapped, murdered, and chopped up by a psycho innkeeper who wanted to actually sell the kids as meat to people. So he put their body pieces in barrels of brine and then Nicholas just appears and he's like, nah, uh and he restored the three boys to life again, and they, like, appeared in front of him, and all was good. So he became the patron saint of kids because of that incident. One thing. Supposedly. One thing. He was also the, he's also the patron saint of prostitution. Yeah, I just saw that. But. Save three women from a life of prostitution. Yeah. So there was a dad who ran out of money, and he didn't know what to do, and he had these 
three virgin daughters. And so he was like, well, I guess my girls got to go and whore themselves out. And then St. Nick was like, no. And, like, for three nights he threw bags of money or something into the guy's house, and then they didn't have to go, like, prostitute. So Good for him. He's a patron saint of prostitution and children. Yay, St. Kind of a Nicholas. weird combination. I, yeah. I, I, um, there's something to be said about – thanks for putting this together, by the way. This was, uh, this was cool, Amber. There's something to be said about all of these characters, though. If you look – I mean, I, and I think it's pretty clear the the line that goes through all of them is it's pretty extreme. I mean, I think these characters, whether they were real or not, let's just assume that they were manufactured for a second. They were they were engineered to really put the fright into children, I think. Well, and they might have existed already in some type of local folklore in the area. And then just some parent was like, hold on, I got this. I know how to control my kid. Yeah, well, I, I, I don't know. know. I'm sure parents said like for millions of years, kids. Well, not millions, but whatever, thousands of years. Yeah, kids have or parents have been trying to figure out ways to control their kids and get them, you know, make them behave. But yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, and some of this stuff's extreme, and it's disturbing. Frankly, it kind of bothers me too. However, do I mean in contemporary society? I wonder if parents are imploring ideas like this or imploring. I, I don't ideas. know if this is happening so much imploring anymore because ideas. I don't. Parents are different now. Well, and kids are out of their minds. So I, I don't. I would be doing this. I'd be doing this like <laughs> I crazy. Would so be doing this. I'd be making shit up on the spot. Because I, I knew, like I, I guess when I was little, the only one I grew up with was thinking that there was a boogeyman. But I don't think my parents ever threatened me with anything like that. It just was something I knew about somehow. Well, I got the boogeyman treatment. I, I don't keep think your they ass really... in bed, or the boogeyman's going to get you. It's as simple as that. Yeah, I don't think I really ever got any of that. I yeah. probably heard it in movies or on TV shows or cartoons or something, <laughs> and and picked it up. No, I got the boogeyman treatment. That mm. was my thing, and and you know what? I stayed in bed. So I'm wondering if. This treatment had its merit. It seems so archaic and barbaric now, but really, no kid ever. I, I, I don't I, think I, anyone I, was truly affected. I don't like, think for the any worst. kids were getting I, their heads. I think eaten. just like with Santa, you you grow out of the belief. You're like one day maybe your your well, yeah, say, your brain oh, develops. The Sandman's coming or the Boogeyman's yeah. coming. And you're gonna be like, no. Well, your brain no. develops to a point where you do understand right and wrong. When you're that yeah. age, when you're very young, you don't understand right and wrong. No. So you well, have to be and there's reared. A, there's a time frame. And I, I'd be curious, like, physiologically, when that ends. And I know it probably varies from kid to kid when that your brain starts to develop to the point where you're like, nope, that's not right. That doesn't exist. I think it's different for Well, it is because my cousin believed in Santa until she was, like, 12. Chrissy. Yeah. My God, I'm going to fuck with you her You can because so we make fun of her. She, no, we were, like, 12 years old, and she got a new stereo. Because I think Chrissy listens to this show, No, too. she doesn't, but she doesn't care because I've ri- actually written about this. And she got a new she stereo. She said she's listened to before. Okay, she's, she got a new stereo. Okay, tape, dual, dual tape deck. Oh, Okay, high-speed dubbing. Oh, dude. Record player on top. Oh, my God. Room for your records on the bottom. Oh, yeah, no CD player because that wasn't a thing yet. No, of course not. Okay, so she goes, come upstairs and see what Santa got me. Oh, how old was she? Like We're twelve. Okay, twelve. So I come, up, I go upstairs and, and she you're shows like rolling me your eyes the whole time. Yeah, she shows me the CD player, right? I mean the stereo, and I go, you know. Santa didn't get that for you. Your parents did. Oh my God! So you were the one. No, I wasn't. And she looked at me and goes, "Santa got this," and I was like, "Okay." Ooh. All right. I mean, we're going to see her in a week. So, so the, the but how she found out was because she now. was searching. She was doing something, either looking in this little attic space or under her parents' bed or something, and she found a Barbie toothbrush. Oh. Then said Barbie toothbrush showed up in her stocking. And it said from Santa. Which I maybe that was the following year. Maybe maybe we were like eleven, and she was probably like twelve. So I you were partly responsible for ruining her childhood, basically. No. I didn't ruin it. She didn't care what I had to say. It was finding the Barbie toothbrush that ruined it. But you planted the seed, though. No, I, I don't think, think I did. The seed. I don't think I did. She was a stubborn one. You know, for me, I, I remember for me, I mean, and I was much younger, by the way. But I remember it was just one of those things. It was just a transitional thing. 
It was very no, I natural. Just stopped. I just stopped one day. It was very natural. I don't even think. Well, I I love telling. Well, this is my favorite Christmas story to tell, and I may have told it on the on the air before, but I'll tell it again very briefly because it is my favorite Christmas story, and I think it it, it encapsulates the spirit of the season. Uh, when I was very young, uh, maybe I don't know, five or six years old, something like that. Um, another way that my parents this sound familiar, Amber. Another way my parents you know, reared me, especially around the holidays, especially on Christmas Eve when you're, you're, you're freaked out with excitement and you can barely sleep. They're like, you need to go to sleep. If you get up in the middle of the night and start farting around in the hallway or horsing around, which I did. No presents for you. Santa's going to see you playing around and he's not, he's going to there's that threat of reward and punishment. He's going to take all the presents away, Mm -hmm. right? So fine, this one particular year, I'm laying in bed and I get the very strong urge that I have to pee. And I mean, I'm a good kid. I like to think I am at least, or I was. And I'm like, well, I, I got to go pee, but I can't because if Santa sees me, I'm not going to get any presents tomorrow. So I laid there and tried. I'm like, well, I can hold it, you know. And you, you, you know, even young or old, you can ra- you rationalize the same way about your urination. And uh, I can hold it. And I don't know what happened, but I just said, okay, well, this isn't good. This just isn't going to end here. Um, I'm going to just have to go. So I, long story short, I wet the bed. I just totally wet the bed. And I, you know, I guess the best part is. I, I slept in it more or less. I mean, Gross. What do you, well, you're a kid. What are you going to do? Gross. What are you supposed Moist to do? Moist sheets. Hey, what are you going to do? Ew. Yeah. So next morning, though, my parents get up and they they pull the sheet up over me and they see the wet spot. They're like, Ew. You probably stink, too. Yeah, oh, yeah. I probably, <laughs> I probably stunk. I probably stunk. Ew, I stunk so bad. Um, so my mom and dad were like, what the hell? What, wh- why'd you wet the bed? I'm like, well, you guys told me that I couldn't. Get out of bed. If Santa saw me, I would not get any presents. And, I mean, Trump, what can I say? You know what I mean? They, they were like, well, can't really argue. Yeah. You follow direction. No. Yep. You know? So, I mean. Um, good thing Mary, you didn't. Good thing you didn't. It was just number one. Happy holidays. <laughs> yeah, right. That's my happy holidays You know, story. the last thing I'm going to say about Krampus, because yeah. yeah. um, one of the other things, he, we, we, were, we talked about this, I think, a little bit with David. Um about just up. kind of yeah. the how Krampus is sort of like a new thing for a lot of people outside of uh, Europe. And yeah, Germany, yeah, yeah. And it hasn't been with us for like 50, 60 years. And part of it was that Krampus is kind of the anti Santa for the counterculture. So people that want to rebel all the time, the punk scene, um, punk anybody scene. like that. There's no punks no, anymore. No, 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 no. We're talking about the punks of like the 70s and 80s all that the now punks, have kids. The real, the real ones, yeah. And are raising kids and kind of don't really maybe feel comfortable with the idea of Santa, but they're like Krampus. This is kind of cool. Like he's, not, but he's not really the anti-Santa because traditionally he he works alongside Santa. He's he's like Santa's helper, like their buddies. They're, they they team it. They're they bros. tag team. Yeah, the bros. bros. So, and then uh, so I thought that was kind of an interesting way of looking at him as like this counterculture thing. And I think yeah. that's probably why he's becoming popular now in the past ten years because people love that like anti anything. And the opposite. And also just that this idea that Christmas is a scary time. I didn't I've never seen these movies. And I didn't yeah. realize that holiday uh horror movies went back to the seventies with Silent Night, Bloody Night. Oh, Have you fantastic. seen that? Fantastic. Yeah. Is it stupid? No, it's great. At Black Christmas. Black Christmas is good too. They were both from nineteen seventy four and mm-hmm. Christmas Evil Beaver. in nineteen eighty. You know Evil. that one. What's that? Christmas Evil? Yeah. I haven't seen that one. So anyway, those were like some of the first like actual movies that established this whole like holiday Christmas genre with combined with Yeah. Horror. Going back to the whole <clears throat> Krampus thing though, the rebellion thing, mm-hmm. just just uh just popped in my head. Do you think that this the idea of tradition is something that's kind of a dying idea now in, in, in modern day society. Cause it seems like we've had traditions for decades and decades and decades here in the U S at least. Right. Uh, and it's just, it's just tradition. This is what you do. This is what you do. And it seems like there's a younger generation. And, and this is not to get off my lawn conversation either. I want to be clear. I'm just asking a question. It seems like that the younger generations, 
they either a want to change it to make it their own tradition or they don't want that tradition at all. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah, I think that's happening and I'm glad it's happening because I think people and that's just times are changing. Like people are going to slowly start changing things like Halloween is changing big, which we've talked about. On we've the show, talked about in depth yeah, because of our culture and how things are and like safety and all of that. Yeah. So that's kind of changing and becoming different. And I think as people grow up and they be, they're not so secular, they're not religious, um, they're going to, they don't want to do classic Christmas things because they're not Christian. Yeah. So it doesn't have the same meaning to them. And mm-hmm. they're going to create their own traditions, though. I don't, I don't think the, tradi- the idea of traditions going away. They'll just create their own thing. That's what I said. Either they're creating their own thing or they don't want anything at all. And that's fine because even this year, like we talked about how we can't stand the tradition of Thanksgiving dinner. Like not the dinner, but the food. Yeah, the food sucks. We're like, we don't care for turkey. I like turkey sandwiches, but well, I don't like the big turkey. You know, we we that, don't want crappy me off this year because, cranberry sauce yeah. out of a can. It's, it's, we don't. We tried we don't this want year. It. We tried. We, and I'm not trying. To, I'm not trashing my parents. No. I'm, I'm cool with my parents. I love. I love my family. But I'm pissed at my family about that. Still, a little not pissed, but I'm kind of come on, guys, because we tried the we two did. of us. We suggested the taco bar. We suggested <laughs> and nacho. a taco bar. Everybody bring their own topping. Yeah. We'll do the heavy lifting. We'll do the. We'll cook the meat and yeah. stuff like that. Turkey, taco, Chicken. whatever you want. Whatever you want. You could we, do beans for vegetarian. Yeah, whatever you want. We could. We we do a whole spread in my house here, right? At our house, and um, I thought it was a brilliant idea. Because you you proposed it. I'm going to give you credit for that. You idea. proposed it, and I had them good for two days, and then it changed. Uh, we're going to just do the regular thing. Well, maybe we planted the seed, but I used to be really staunch on tradition. I was like, no, like Christmas Eve, like we have this chicken dinner at my grandma's, and this is what we do. And as time's gone, well, well, and Christmas Day, like the whole family goes to my cousin's house, and we all do this Christmas thing. Well, then people start to die. And you're like, yeah. oh, this kind of sucks now. Like now this is a reminder of everybody who's gone. Well, I, you know, And so then I started yeah. thinking like I don't care so much anymore about this because those old traditions remind me that like I don't know. It's sort of like a not a bad memory but like I just said like reminds me people are gone. So I want to create something new with the people who are here. And I, I don't know. I started thinking about how I've let go of that over the years. Like oh, oh and, yeah. and when I started doing like it was – Thanksgiving here at the house and your yeah. family came over and it was the first time like I don't know I was like all I did was wash dishes all day it never stopped yeah right and food somehow always had to keep going into the <laughs> oven and it was just irritating it's a nightmare. And, it, and then I had a steady stream of Captain and Coke going so well, yeah, I was we were like all, we were all hammered by the end of I was day. like I don't I don't like this and that's when I was like I am totally cool with pizza or like the taco thing because well, it's <laughs> easy it's fun we like it it's good food, and also there's no cleanup. You. It's better for you than a greasy um, shit. And so, no, and that's what, but but to fin- put a and, cap on that one. Well, though. no, let me finish that. And then I felt yeah. bad for the few times as my grandma has aged that she was like just didn't want to do Christmas Eve dinner and got like pizzas one night, and I was like, no, like it was all crushed and like this isn't right. And I'm like now I'm like oh my god, I know what my grandma was feeling that night. Like yeah, like. I don't know. So I no, and, I see where that we, and we just did things. We talked about Thanksgiving and we had and we had our traditional thing at my parents' house and my mom busted her ass for three days. Yeah. And I looked at her and I and I gave, I did tell her this time. And this isn't anything again, this isn't anything mean, but my mom's like, Oh man, I'm like, I don't want to hear it. Uh uh-uh. uh. We had a solution. We were gonna make this easy for everybody all yeah. around. Uh, one person had to chop up some green pepper. No, one person no had to leftovers. chop up some onions. We went and it would have been simple. But you guys had to have your way, it's fine. Maybe next year we'll get the tacos. Yeah. Maybe next year. I mean, you know, but you're talking about tradition, though. I used to, I think up until literally I turned 40, and I'm turning 45 in a few months, right? I spent the night at my parents' house. Mm-hmm. You remember that? Mm-hmm. I'd crash at my parents' house. That's just what we did, and we'd wake up together. Mm-hmm. And I just, it's not that I don't, again, it's just, it, I think things change. You grow. You you know, I mean, we're kind of growing into our own thing now. We're becoming the adults finally, right? And it's like, no, I wanted to sleep in my own bed. And, you know, I'm we're pretty close anyways as far as distance from our houses. So I can shoot over there. I just want to crash in my own bed. I don't want to sleep on the rickety old bed in the back of the house. I like my big comfy bed. Yeah. So, I mean, things change. Things, you grow and you change. And it's an interesting idea because I'm seeing things, you know, especially – with all the discussion we've had with the holidays this year, 
that this holiday, Christmas, is changing. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to change more and more every year. Well, and I, like I said, with the death of older family members that, like, it's, for it's, example, it's, like if, when, when honestly, when we're way older, um, we might not participate in Easter at all. No, we, we might not. Unless it's with your sister or something like that. But, like... It's just another day for us. Yeah. So there's certain holidays that are out there for, like, um, you know, I guess Christian religion that we would just be like, no. Yeah. Like, we don't... Yeah. And we talked about this It'd stuff. It'd be an excuse to go out to eat. <laughs> you want to go out to eat? It's Easter. Yeah. <laughs> so we talked to David Bone. Yeah. Super cool guy. Um, it was nice enough to take some time to chat with us about the article that you mentioned that, yeah. that we saw. Um, tell us a little bit about David. Well, I do have to mention that the it, it's a little quick, which is why Scott and I are doing a little longer prologue here, um, because we were going to combine two episodes. But our everything just got our ahead. last episode, you heard um, uh, with all of our good, Mark awesome on, Christmas stories. Yeah, that went a little longer. So we were like, okay, let's, let's break it up. Yeah, let's break it up and give David his own. So it's a little quick. Um, so we're going to have David come back to talk about. Well, yeah, so we had a riot with him. We had a riot with him. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, we want to. And, and he's, he's on tap. He's ready to yeah. go. So and, we're going to talk with him. To talk, it's always cool to have um, someone from another country to be able to talk about what's going on there. Yeah. Um, and all that good stuff. So David Bone is a graduate of the University of Stirling and holds a BA in politics. His writing interests include British and Scottish politics, international relations, ideologies, megatrends, technology, and the paranormal. His work has been published on the Scotsman newspaper, or in the Scotsman newspaper, yeah. uh, based in Edinburgh, The Backbencher, The Best of Africa, The Intern Lunch, Darrow, which I'm assuming these are all UK publications, The Mallard, yeah, yeah. and the technology site Curious Droid. So with that, welcome David Bone all the way from Scotland. Mr. David Bone, thank you so much for taking some time to come chat with us here on Ghostly Talk. How are you? Uh, it's five o'clock in Scotland, isn't it? It is indeed. Yes, it's five o'clock and very dark outside. Yeah, <laughs> it's dark. It's really that. It's dark there already. It's pitch black. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. <laughs> we. I mean, here in the states, we we roll the clocks back. I think you guys probably do the same thing. Um, and we're getting well. Does it get dark around five o'clock now, Amber? Yeah, I don't want to pay no, much attention. No, it does. It does. It does. So it's not much different then. No. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that's why we. Yeah, that's why they're five hours ahead of us then. I don't know, David. Does does the UK do day, uh, daylight savings time where you guys roll your clocks back an hour? Yes. Yes. Oh, we, they do. We roll okay. them back an hour. Okay. Uh, and October. Yeah, spring. Yeah, October, and then okay. spring to go back. They go forward an hour. Okay. Yeah. So it's the same thing. It's the same thing here. So okay. Anyway, so we read an article though. And this is the reason you're here. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was about a month ago, something like that. I was kind of bouncing around on the internet and I was just mm-hmm. looking for Christmas stuff, you know, around the paranormal stuff, thinking what, what can we talk about this year? And I can, we came across an article that you wrote, David, uh, mm-hmm. for uh, Paranormal Globe, uh, which I really enjoyed. Uh, and I'm like, oh, let me reach out to him and see, because I didn't know where you were at. And then we, I'm like, oh, Scotland. Well, we can figure that out. <laughs> we'll make it work. <laughs> we'll get, we'll get him on here somehow. And we did. And this was a super cool article because you know it touched on some things that I thought were were that I really, I guess, I identified about the holiday. I mean, yeah, supernatural things, but also just kind of things I think within our minds that kind of make the holidays, especially like you know Christmas, especially. Um, this, you know, I think it can make it kind of supernatural, you know, just in our minds, if you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's just a certain, there's a certain mood, a certain feeling that we instinctually get out of the holidays. Uh, for example, you know, in your article, you talk about this calmness mm-hmm. was an example, right? Um, and I noticed that too. I mean, I, like Christmas Eve, Christmas night here in the States, at least, um, 
you know, if you go outside and normally it's snowing, sometimes it isn't, right? Now, if it's snowing, uh, yeah, if it's like a really good snowfall you get, it insulates everything around you. I'm sure you've noticed mm-hmm. that too. And, you know, you combine that with, with, you know, with the holiday and, you know, all around you too, you have that stillness in the environment. You don't hear the cars rushing around. You don't hear all those things. And I think that makes some people... I mean, I won't lie. It does make me a bit uneasy uh, sometimes because I guess you you spend 364 or 363 days mm-hmm. out of your year being busy, and all of a sudden everything just kind of comes to a standstill. I mean, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think December in particular. Um, you're obviously you're buying presents. You've probably got sort of work night work night out that kind of thing yeah yeah and it really seems that it's like that one day it's the only day there's no there's no traffic you're probably nothing to do the post isn't going to come uh yeah. i think it's just, uh, quite it's quite an eerie time uh, in terms and that and christmas eve as well yeah um yeah. you've it's just quite an eerie experience uh, and i think it's sort of um i think it's kind of I think there's a lot of introspection in that that kind of particular time because there's nothing to do. You sort of turn inward a little bit. You do. I know. I, se- do. I certainly do. And Christmas Eve, and you sort of your mind sort of wanders, and um, which isn't always a, a great thing for some people, especially with social media and phones nowadays. That's a kind of quite a painful experience, I think, for a lot of people. <laughs> there's, no, there's no distractions at all, and it is the only time of the year. Uh, but I, I personally well, feel there's, there's no distraction. You know, I mean, I don't I don't know if you watch South Park or not. I happen to watch it pretty regular. Mm-hmm. Um, they just had a new, uh, uh, just like I just watched it yesterday, and they had like their, you know, of course they do their Christmas, their holiday episodes and stuff like that every year. And this episode, and this kind of, you know, made me think about this, was um, basically the town ordinance said that they're going to disc, they're not going to allow alcohol sales until after Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> so the whole town gets totally bummed out and they kind of mm-hmm. go oh my god the town lost its christmas spirit now you know and it's all good fun and games and i cracked up when i when i watched it mm-hmm. but but you know i think people you know that's that's maybe we find people tend to uh, imbibe alcohol and stuff like that i guess a bit more during the holidays too and i you know and i think maybe these couple of things we talked about thus far you know this eeriness, this this calmness of the holiday, along with you know with that calmness, this this you know you do do this reflection, this introspection. Mm-hmm. I think some people have a problem with that, <laughs> so they may turn themselves to the bottle, right? And I mean, I'm not I'm not making light of this in any way whatsoever. I mean, I think people should have fun and, and let loose a little bit too. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if you know that may you know maybe that's why this whole idea of of people drinking a bit more during the holidays. It is to maybe to alleviate that stress that you may get from this this calmness we're talking about. Did you know quite possibly? I mean, I know. Um, I think it's. Uh, I guess uh, Sweden and Finland they have quite high rates of uh, alcohol alcoholism, and I don't know if that's related to this, what we are talking about. You know, the kind of what, like the like the weather uh, and that kind of cold and dark. Yeah. I don't know if that's. Kind of oh, yeah. they, have, they have like months of sort of you know kind of horrific winter, frankly. So yeah, that, that's that's a very good point. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting. Yeah, you know, I never thought mm-hmm. about it that way too. Um, because yeah, when it's dark like that, all you know, when you have all that darkness. I mean, I don't know. I don't know the cycle. I know Sweden has. I mean, how many days is that? I know Amber. Do you know anything about that? As far as like how many days they have of like darkness, no. it's like it's crazy. No, I know those northern countries have a lot more than that's we insane. Do. Mm-hmm. That's completely insane. But you know that. But I guess that does bring in this idea though of well, that darkness around Christmas time, and and the fact that the Victorians back in the day used to tell ghost stories at Christmas time, and and David wrote something interesting in one of his yeah, articles yeah. I had read where he was talking about uh, the Victorians and, and how they would tell ghost stories. And speaking of the darkness, I, I like this. I, I highlighted this where he said, my theory on why the Victorians wrote some of the greatest Gothic fiction is that they were one of the last epochs to live with the dark before, like, you had fully oh. functional lights yeah, at every had electricity corner. Like, stuff, you had yeah. gaslighting and your fire. But, like, truly being in the dark. If, if anyone goes out west, like, into the mountains of the United States or anywhere where you don't have light, it's it's weird how dark the world can really get mm-hmm. and i like that i thought that was interesting that david pointed that out 
Well, yeah. Yeah, yes. Yeah, I kind of just thought. I mean, the, the way of the last generation uh, to to have to live in the darkness. Uh, I think you did. Wardians had sort of electric light. They were starting to sort of um, they were sort of implement that and, and usually gas lighting. Uh, but they and they were the first, the last ones really. And I think that's why they kind of um, they wrote some of the base Gothic literature. Uh, frankly, um, so yeah, I think all, that's obviously uh, probably affected the psyche. I think it would it would affect how you view the world very much. I think if it's. Yeah. The world is constantly dark, just beyond your house, and it's pitch black. And I've not experienced that an awful lot in my life. Um, I've been out in kind of rural uh, parts of the UK, and it is it's still like that. Um, there's no street lighting at all. And it's quite unnerving, actually. It's uh, it's quite a strange it experience. It totally is. And mm-hmm. I, I know personally, I've been to a lot of places where I've been in pitch black, and you know, and I'm not. This is just the mind working. That's true. I don't think. Uh, however. When you are when you're sitting in pitch black, your your eyes your your eyes start to do all kinds of crazy stuff. I mean, I've noticed that, and I start seeing things. I start hallucinating. I've noticed. I mean, again, it's nothing supernatural in any way. Um, but when you're in the bl- dark like that, you start to manufacture things. And I think, like we were just t- saying though, too, um, the fact that as a modern society that we're in now, I mean, there's lights around us everywhere. You can't, you know, we live in a house here and it's, you know, anywhere there's lights. This house is totally lit up. Uh, so we're, you're, we're not used to being in the dark. So then you take someone who's used to being in the light like that all the time and you put them into a pitch black place. It's going to disturb them a bit, I think. Um, so that's a really, I never thought about it that way. Thanks for pointing that out, Amber. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Yeah, no, and and then there was also too. I think Christmas, and and David talks about this in his article, is kind of like our pop culture is shifting a little bit with like creepy stuff coming back to Christmas, like Krampus. Well, and also there was an article I just read about haunted houses coming back. Like we have Halloween and we do all of our haunted houses, and I'm sure the UK does the same thing. And then all of a sudden, yeah. yeah, and then all of a sudden they're extending them into christmas where you have like killer santas and of course krampus coming after you yeah, yeah and yeah, yeah. so <laughs> i mean it's a great marketing camp you're gonna make money well yeah. but um i i don't if you noticed that in the uk as well david that that's kind of come back into pop culture like the creepy christmas uh, yeah i mean certainly a lot of things like you mentioned krampus there that's something that even i mean even 10 years ago maybe a bit longer than that i wasn't really aware of it wasn't yeah. uh, on on the cultural horizon or and the last decade it's something i've seen, I've seen a lot more i've seen the there's a kind of film horror film about krampus um yeah and, and that kind of thing but i mean i quite like it from the point of view i think christmas is i really enjoy christmas but it can be a little bit overbearing a, a bit too sweet almost yes um so i think having a kind of um a slightly more horror element yeah. and more evil element i think it's good i think it reflects human uh, psyche a bit more you know the duality and good and bad yeah and I, I, I quite like it i like the idea of it and uh it's not something that's quite taken off here but you can see it coming in a little bit more well uh, I remember, the last couple of years i remember doing a show with, you know, we the first christmas show we ever did with this show and that would have been like 2002 i remember talking about this alter ego type thing i mean i should i should probably go back and listen to it so i remember us talking about this like Make, and it was an article, and I think it was probably on Krampus, where it talked about Santa Claus wasn't such a good guy. <laughs> it was this article I talked about, you know. But that and that was pushing like eighteen years ago now, and I, you know, I, it didn't really grab on. But yeah, like in the last, at least here in the states now. Now you're saying ten years, uh, maybe ago in Europe. Uh, I think the same here in the states. Too. You think so? Yeah. Yeah. Well, when was that Krampus movie that came that out? That was like five plus years ago. I mean, okay. that yeah, cause, yeah, I think it was 2015, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, around about then, yeah. Yep. And then before that, I was starting to see like Krampus parades, the ones in Austria that are super intense and amazing. Yeah, um, yeah. I can oh. get like a whole, there's like 20 of them. They're, oh. they're following St. Nicholas. Yeah. I think I've seen oh. footage of it. It looks, it looks so incredible. So cool. And so I've been, I was seeing those on YouTube and that's how I was exposed to this idea of the Krampus parade. And then I had to go, of course, look all Krampus things up. Um, but yeah, David, how did you get involved in the paranormal and writing about it and researching it? I mean, have you always been interested or did you have personal experiences of your own? Uh, I've always kind of had an interest in it. Um, I think 
I, I, I sort of had a little weird paranormal stuff just happened to me occasionally. Uh, like the first one I remember, it was nothing, not, not Christmas related. Um, I was at school. I could, I'd just finished school. I came home, and obviously being a teenager, I went for a nap. You know, I had, had a long six-hour day at school. <laughs> uh, so, but to this day, I swore someone shook, uh, shook me awake. Um, and it was it was the weirdest thing, and I could fe- I could feel them shaking my shoulder. I was on my side, uh, and th- and that was really kind of quite frightening. Yeah. Um, so that that's kind of what got me into this kind of stuff, and it's been a kind of interest. It's waxed and waned through the years, and I think uh, just recently I've got kind of back more into it. But it's always been in my background, and yeah. And every person you speak to has a sort of paranormal experience. I think there's a kind of whole weight of evidence and. At least anecdotal evidence uh, from anyone you talk to has had some, something happened to them, and that's I just find that fascinating. I've and, had uh, those experiences. Yeah. I still have that happen to me uh, every once in a while now, where I, I'll, I'll, you know, and some people say it's just part of normal dreaming cycles and whatnot. I don't know, uh, but I've had uh, the the occurrences or the experiences <laughs> where I'm just falling asleep, and all of a sudden somebody yells my name into my ear. Like I hear my name in my ear really loud, and it shoots me out of bed. Or I feel like someone, I've actually felt like someone has grabbed my shoulder before and woken me up before. Um, I think that's, I mean, it, it still scares the crap out of me. <laughs> I can't get Yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've, I was in a hotel in a place called Durham, which is down in England. Uh, and I, I could, it's quite, it was quite an old building. I think it was built in the 1600s and it was still a, still used as a hotel. And I, I was in the bathroom and I could, something that appeared in the mirror and I could see it in the mirror just for like half a second. But again, and these things yeah. have happened to everyone, you know, so. Now, we, and we were talking a minute ago too. I was thinking about this when you guys were talking about that. So, you know, at least here in the, how it works here in the States, you know, we have Halloween and we, I think Halloween is kind of like the earmark. That's when we, at least in my mind, the holidays start here in, in the U S and, that's when everybody kind of goes into that gear, like, okay, you got to start getting ready for the holidays and all those things. And, you know, we were talking about how it seems like Christmas, at least let's just say the last decade, uh, is started, you know, it started to look, it started to become, it's starting to appear different in pop culture. It's starting to look a little darker, like we were saying. I wonder if it's because, you know, it seems like Halloween is this time. I know for me, and we always talk about it every year on this show about, you know, like the beginning of October, maybe the end of September, beginning of October, how, you know, everything just feels so good, right? And Halloween is just this holiday. It seems like it's just fun, 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 fun for everybody. I, and I, and, you know, not that I don't think Christmas is not an enjoyable time either, but like we already said, it can be a little too sweet. I think I agree with you on that, David. And I wonder if it's just this, this idea that people may be taking like, Hey, well, maybe we should try to like extend Halloween a little bit more and maybe, maybe make it a part of Christmas. I wonder if it's just us as a, as a, as a group of people, a race of people wanting to like kind of extend Halloween out a bit more. I don't know. Why are you shaking your head at me for it? I didn't do anything wrong. No, I would. I was shaking my head because I think it really has always represented death. It's the end of the year. Everything's dying. And then we have the solstice. And then that's sort of the rebirth of everything. We start gaining more light back. And I think going back into ancient times, that was also the case. I think they, they, they you know, honored that time of the year uh, because it was more closely associated with death than even Halloween, I think. Okay. I think Halloween was sort of the doorway to death. Like, boom, and now we're in winter. Everything's dead. Like, shut down. That, and then... That, yeah, and that, that all makes sense. I was just brainstorming on yeah. that. Yeah. It's, it's quite interesting, interesting seeing that. I mean, I've noticed in the UK, and this is, just, this is very recently, there's sort of been this strange kind of... Um, sort of cultural fusion. Because uh, over the last couple of years, I noticed um, there was a shop near where I work and had a, Hall- a Halloween wreath out in the door. <laughs> yeah. It was like a, green, yep. a green wreath with pumpkins on it and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also there was a, I was in a, a pub a couple of years ago and they had a, it was a, it was a Christmas tree, but it was like, you know, they put their decorations up very early usually. And it was kind of mid-October and it had like skulls on it yep. and pumpkins. And I, I found that very strange, this, this sort of fusion between the two yeah. um, almost now. 
Well, they're just, they seem like, I guess growing up, they just seem like polar opposites. They do, but I have a Chris, I have a Halloween tree. You do. We, and have, I, we have a Halloween tree. I have a tree. Halloween Christmas, well, cr- Halloween tree, not Christmas tree, but I have all my little creepy ornaments on it, and often I leave it up f- through Christmas. Yeah. And- <laughs> oh, so, right. Okay, so it's actually, a, yeah, I, I, I've never seen that before, but yeah. I, I, do, I do see in the UK, people put uh, Halloween decorations up now. I've seen that, just, yeah. and that's yep. just happened again within the last 10 years. Oh, wow, really? Like, yeah, I mean, I've got a, a, a close friend, and um, he puts kind of decorations up him, him and his wife and his wee boy, and and it's it's really cool. I know people at my work they they would do it, um, and this has been fairly recent because even when I'm thirty six, when I was growing up, Halloween wasn't a major deal. Um, yeah, at the time, but n- now it is. Um, it's a kind of it's quite a big kind of celebration in the UK now. Yeah, uh, that's that's really cool to hear because in the US it's been like. A money maker for decades. I'd yeah. say in the last thirty years, people are doing massive haunted houses in their front yard for Halloween night for the kids trick or treating. Yeah, I mean it's a huge money maker, and so it's interesting to see that difference with the UK and here. That just like people just in the ten years you've, I don't know, before that weren't even decorating. Um, have you noticed an increase? Because I, I always joke that every single thing in the UK is haunted. Because everything is so old, <laughs> everything is so old. Everywhere I when I when I went to the UK, everywhere we went, they're like, "Oh, by the way, there's the ghost of Queen, whatever over here. <laughs> there's this headless ghost walking around over here. You know, pay no attention." And my first ever ghost tour was in Edinburgh in uh, at Mary King's Close, and we went underground. Oh yeah, I've, I've been in that one. Yeah, that was, uh, that was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and so that was my first experience at a ghost tour, which was just amazing and. I, I wondered if you've even seen an increase in sort of that paranormal tourism slash ghost tour thing in the UK over the past uh, 10 years, if that's gone up. Oh, I mean, definitely. I um, mean, every every major city and a lot of them, even kind of smaller, kind of medium-sized towns, they now have ghost tours. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a massive industry now. And again, that's fairly... That, and I've been in a few of them and I've really enjoyed them. And you also learn a lot about local history as well. It's yeah. not always about the paranormal no. Um, you actually get a good feel for the place, and and uh, yeah, but that's it's a huge industry now in the UK. No, exactly. I think that's the best part about those tours. It's a fun way to get your history. It's not just some yeah. dry tour where there's a guy telling you like, oh, you know, I uh, I don't know. It's the best way I think to get your history. Yeah, because I mean, I mean, there's a kind of small local town called Dumfries uh, down the borders between kind of Scotland and England, and it had the last public execution in the UK. Oh. Which I, I had no idea until I went in. I went in this ghost tour, and they take you to the site where it happened. And so, yeah, it's a fantastic way just to learn about your own sort of, you know, your own sort of place and where you live and that kind of thing. Yeah, it's so cool. I love it. Well, David, I want to say thank you. We really enjoyed the article, and I'm glad we could make this thing work. Uh, we we made it work on Skype. <laughs> and we actually we, we we called ahead i called ahead yesterday just to make sure this was going to work and it did and you know this was super cool i'm glad we could actually get together and chat about this for a few minutes yeah definitely that's fantastic thanks, thanks for having me yeah we'll have you on again sometime down the road if you'd like that'd be fantastic yes all right cool thanks dave <laughs> thank you david okay thank you ghostly talk <laughs>